Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome to Adventures, Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I have a very special guest, Dave Perry. He is known as the tallest guy in the video game industry. He has decades of experience uh, working on all levels of gaming. He made one of my personal favorite games as a kid, Earthworm Jim. And uh, plus many other things like founding Gaikai, and now he's moved on to new games into the digital space with a, a company known as uh, Viral, Go Viral, with a product called Caro, which evolved as an influencer platform, which we're going to dive more into. But I'm excited to talk about him, his journey, and where he's at today. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome my friend, Dave Perry. Hey, Dylan, how are you? Nice, nice to see you, and thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, brother. It's great to see you as well, man. It's uh, it's good to connect in the in the the post-apocalyptic ecosystem. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. I have this boring chair, and you have this cool gamer chair. <laughs> <laughs> I need to invest in a cool gamer chair. It was, it was born out of necessity. I, uh, yeah, I, you look like you're on a, on a ship flying somewhere. <laughs> like so, like it looks like a Tesla seat. I feel you know, I, like one of the ones for the moon for SpaceX. I mean, the SpaceX seats. Um, that, it's funny because the the gamer stuff um, is uh, is is just something I've grown up with my whole life, and so mm -hmm. I I love uh, I love to see this. Uh, I, I really <laughs> did. So cool. Lots of time spent in this chair. I didn't realize after a while. I was like, I'm like, why am I uncomfortable? I'm like, oh, how much climb time am I now clocking? So I've upgraded, and uh, yeah, I'm technically in space. I'm the new uh, you know Elon Musk space Skylink yeah. program. I'm just up here with all these screens, architect style. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, man, it's 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 great to connect, man. And you've had like uh, I know with with your journey, I mean, you've had quite a a roller coaster um, experience, especially in that. I mean, we talked a little bit about the games industry. To, to say that you have uh, gaming experience is an understatement. I know um, you've done well. First of all, let's 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 unpack this because there's so many things that you've done in the gaming spaces from the beginning. We know what was the what was the genesis to for you to fall in love with the gaming space? What was your like, oh my God, I love this this area and, and had you dive into it? I think it might've been because I was told I couldn't do it. Um, so I, I heard there was computers at my school and I asked to use them and they said, you know, kids can't use the computers. Like that's uh, like, you're, you're too young, go away. Um, and and at the time I was like, um, that, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. And so I, I sort of found my way into the computer room and and people, I found that people were really nice, and they would show you, you know, what was there, what equipment they had, and how it worked. And I, I started playing with these very basic black and white computers. Um, but I, I realized that you know very quickly you can take control and make it do whatever you want to do. And so of course that meant games. And so I started making these terrible games um, because the computers are so basic they didn't even have music or anything. You just make beeps, um, mm -hmm. but um, what happened was I, I wrote some games and I sent them off to a magazine and the magazine printed the games. And, and it, it's hard to explain it when you're a kid, how exciting that is that, you know, look, here I am in a magazine. I've actually accomplished something. And I didn't know, but I was being paid for that. Um, so a check arrived in the mail and, and I didn't even invoice. So I didn't, I didn't have a bank account to put the check into. Um, so I had to solve all these problems, which of course 
are quite solvable, but suddenly I have unlimited candy. That's what that meant. And, uh, and I'm like, you could have unlimited candy. That's a thing. <laughs> so, so if you're wondering what got me into gaming, that, that was a, that, that's what got the whole thing started. Um, and from that point forward, the industry started to evolve. Yeah. There were a lot of magazines where you would type code in, you would see a cool game or some mm. picture of a game and you would type it in and play. Um, but very quickly, the games became too big to type in. And so that's when they started. They started to do books. And so I ended up publishing some books. Um, mm. And this was in high school. Um, but that then uh, I realized this is a thing. This is not going away. This is something I want to do. And so I ended up getting a job offer to leave Ireland because there was nothing, mm. there was no real game industry in Ireland, yeah. but there was in England. So I moved to, to near London and, um, and then I started making games professionally. And that was, one, then you can't look back. That's, that's, I'm now, you know, all in. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, it's, it's really cool. There's, um, something in London. It's got a really strong, uh, gaming, um, culture and companies and studios out there. There's a lot of AAA um, action going on in London in the gaming culture. And yeah, this, uh, it's, it's very interesting to have an industry where the verb is to play, you know? And, yeah. and yeah. so you want you to like, I can make money to make and play games. It's yes. It's, it's, I, I, it's no, add more and charge them to your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah. You can. Wow. What? The best job in the world is the sound effects for the game industry. Because huh. you get to go to the Super Bowl and charge it to your taxes. You get to go to every football game <laughs> or you want to shoot guns, it's uh, a charge it to your taxes because it's all <laughs> you're just collecting sound. It's the best job ever. Um, but but, but um, no, the, the, in reality, the, the game industry yeah. in England was, was, uh, was where it was happening as, as far as mm. I understood mm. coming from Ireland. Um, mm. But in reality, it was really America. And so... It, it ended up being more of a pit stop. Um, um, I obviously I had to learn a lot, but mm. once I did, then I realized that the, the, the real future was to come and live in California. Wow. What's well, it? I mean, I know, I know Sony's out there. I mean, there's a bunch of great AAA studios out there. Um, what do you along your 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 lessons of of becoming a professional game developer? Like, what were some of those like? moments that reflect you back that kind of created cornerstone values for you? Were there experiences or were there situations that basically imprinted on you as you're becoming a professional uh, game developer on like something that you would take with you um, on your journey for the rest of life? Yeah, I, I sometimes you don't challenge yourself enough. Um, I remember the guy that sort of ran the office in in England said to me once, you, you do realize you can learn a programming language in a day. And I was like, that's absurd. That's just not possible. <laughs> and, and he's like, pretty much, you're a complete loser if you can't. Um, and it, 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 by having people believe so strongly something, mm -hmm. you start to believe it too. And so, you, you know, I, I, he said to me, look, here's a game on this machine. Mm -hmm. I want you to put it on that machine. And I want you to do it today. Um, and so it's a completely different programming language. Um, but don't worry, it'll be fine. And I, 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 because you enter with that attitude of, well, I guess it's possible, um, <laughs> then, then you start doing it, right? Because you're not sitting there finding all the, um, I, I think where this has evolved, and, and I did it, by the way, and the game was published, um, and I did learn in one day, so it is absolutely possible. Um, but what I realized is something that I talk about quite a lot to, to my mm. employees mm. is 
I don't like people um, to keep pointing to problems and telling me why you can't do something. Um, that doesn't help, right? You know, you have somebody going problem, 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 instead of solution, solution, solution. They're always just pointing to the problems. I call them hurdle pointers. They point at hurdles professionally, you know, like you, you, they can't stop themselves. And because of that, they don't move forward because they're continually yeah. pointing at the problems. Mm -hmm. And then the second kind I call hurdle jumpers, um, who are the ones that um, there was a problem there. You never heard about it because they didn't sit there and point at it. They just solved the problem. And so now that I say this, you can imagine anyone listening to this is going to be like, oh, I know some of those people. Like you've all, everyone's been in meetings where you have hurdle pointers, but now you'll be able to, in your mind, look at the person and just go hurdle pointer. That's what you're going to, that's what you're going to do. Just point at hurdles, um, frustrating. Um, and so our company culture is what we say is kicking yeah. over the hurdles. So um, sometimes you'll see a hurdle and you know it's there and everyone knows it there and it is a problem, but they kick it over and, um, and they get on with it. And so when you have that, that sort of mentality, um, it changes sort of how, you, how much you can get done. And yeah. um, I, think, I think I remember back to that day going, That's, this guy's nuts, right? But in reality, he wasn't nuts. It's more of just an attitude and just getting on with things and you, you, can, you can accomplish a lot. It's ridiculous. Like it's it's expanding the possibility of what's capable, and 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 that's really what that what I love about that is that you create this like identity shift with somebody around like, hey, um, anything's possible. This is just a, this is just a problem. So expect it, and we're going to expect to jump over it. And that mm -hmm. and that's what you do. Um, I think I know uh, uh, John Carmack was told one time that this one thing uh, was unsolvable. Uh, and then someone solved it. And he goes, well, if he solved that, I can solve it too. So we went in his corner. He went to like a hotel for a week. Solved it, came back out, and the guy says, like, oh, actually, I didn't solve it. I was wrong. And he goes, John's coming. Well, I solved it. It was all because you believed you could. That's so right. It's one of the best things to do is if you ever want to, if you have a programmer that gets stuck, show, it, show him it being done by another programmer. And uh, suddenly, you'll see them, you know, I, I've seen programmers say to me, you can't do that. Then I've shown it. Somebody else did it, and, and, and I'll show it to them. And then they go, oh, they didn't do a really good job. I can do it better. Right? <laughs> and you're like, wait, do you forget the conversation we just had like 10 minutes ago? Um, that happens. Um, and so I think it's really, it's really exciting when you, uh, when you unlock people's potential because they, they really can um, do a lot and achieve a lot. Um, but mm. they, they, they sometimes just get a little stuck. And, and if you can just free them up. Um, then it's unbelievable, uh, you know, what, what people are able to do. And I've been very fortunate to work with some great people over the years. Yeah. Um, I call them 10Xers. So yeah. if you're able to kick over hurdles, you're usually operating at about 10 times the speed of somebody else that's, that's getting all caught up in everything. Um, and I've seen all kinds of fascinating versions of that. I once saw um, one of my engineers got a manual to something, and he was reading through the manual like this. He took the page and he just turned it like this. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he was going through the whole book, just one page at a time, you know, not even taking a second to page. And, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm just getting, I'm looking at the manual so I understand where everything is in it. So when I need something, I can immediately, I know it's like around here, or I know it does that because I've read all the, the, the sort of the titles and I know what features it has. And it's just like, how many people operate like that? That's 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 just a different way of thinking and approaching things because most people look at the manual and then just don't read it, right? <laughs> um, and I found that with Photoshop, you'll yeah. find 
the vast majority of people learn the three tools. Like you've got this enormous, this tool can do anything mm -hmm. and they've learned the three icons that they use and nothing else. And, yeah. uh, and, and they don't understand really the full potential. And then yeah. you see somebody working at incredible speed within a tool and, um, and it, it's just, you know, amazing what the, the output and the speed in which they're able to do things because they take the time to learn it. So I'd say that's, that's another key piece of thing is, mm -hmm. is just learning and, um, and, and sort of if, if you if this tool is going to be a key part of your life, you really should spend some time and, and get to know it and master it. And, uh, and there's always that what's happened with the internet is, is now there's all these people that want to help you. They really want to help you learn this thing. So, uh, you really should. That's beautiful. And I mean, I mean, there's a couple of things that you touched on about, um, company culture, team formations, being able to actually triumph over situations. Cause I mean, that's what it really a company is. It's being of service to some, uh, community or individual. And then your your willingness to solve as many problems along that value chain as possible to be of service. And there's some people that that can do it at a at a rate that's just it seems superhuman. Like I can't like you tell me read a book. To, I'm like, do you have an audio book? I'd I'd like to really you know is is there an easy way to digest this information? Uh, you're talking about a couple of pieces. One, the ability to learn and solve problems as being the critical piece and be able to expand the potential of what's possible with the tools that you work with because a human with a tool like mastering Photoshop is infinitely more valuable than a human without the Photoshop skills. What pieces besides that do you feel are critical is the learning to learn uh, the, the, the belief that you can kick down hurdles and solve new ways to get things done. What are the, are there any other cornerstones of company culture, team culture that you think is critical for success? Yeah, this one I learned from years ago, we got to work with the directors of the matrix on the matrix video games. And I was very impressed that they showed up at our office. Um, you know, they took the time to drive and, and visit and meet us. And at the time I was like, wow, this is kind of unexpected. And I was talking to them about it and it, and the, the attitude was generally, well, of course you do that. Are you kidding me? You're going to, anyone you're going to work with, you're going to spend time and really get to know them and understand them and all the rest of it. And it was something that I'm like, I don't know if everybody really does do that. I, if you really take the time to um, to really learn things and, and, and um I'll give you an example is I, I have lots of hobbies and I can explain later why I have so many hobbies, but uh, I'll decide I'm going to learn woodworking. Mm -hmm. I, I think what I've realized is what you don't do is you don't sit at home and look at a bunch of wood and so, God, I want to be a woodworker. But, you know, I don't know if that's the fast track way to be a woodworker. What mm -hmm. I, what I do is I go, who is amazing at woodworking that's willing to show me how to do it. Um, and there's a guy in Ohio, I'm on a plane on my way to Ohio and I'll rent a truck and I'll drive out to his wood shop and I'll spend a week there and I'll come back leveled up. You know, think of it like a video game In a yeah. video game, you level up each time, you know, like you're, you're, you, you play more and more and more. Yeah. It's a bit like that. So I'm like, I'm, every time I learn something, I'm plus one on that plus one on this yeah. uh, as I level up my skills. But if you want to, what I found is there's always people willing to share and willing to help and willing to tell you how they do things. Mm -hmm. um, some of them love it. Like they love telling you how they do things. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I, um, not so long ago, I got into photography uh, as a hobby and um, I realized that, that there's 
all of these different people that have incredible skills in photography, but each one usually has one thing to tell you that's their secret, the thing that's taken them 20 years to work it out. And so if I can get a, in a room with that person, I'll drive anywhere. I'll go wherever I need to go. I'll fly. I'll go to Canon's headquarters, yeah. wherever I got to go. If I can get in a room with that person and hear that one thing that mm. took 20 years to learn, um, that's what I want to know because your, your, your skill level goes yeah. up. Yeah. Um, extraordinarily quickly because you're saving a lot of time that they've invested. I remember once I was in a woodworking class and a guy was like, this is the best varnish. And I said to him, look, I know you think that's the best varnish, but what's what's happened is that's taken you 20 years to work that out. The fact that you just told us that is such a gift. <laughs> like, I know you don't appreciate that. You're just thinking, no, 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 that's the best varnish. Um, and it, by the way, it turns out it's incredible. Um, it was an amazing recommendation. But it's the kind of thing where that's in in life, that's in every dimension. So mm -hmm. every subject subject you can imagine, there's people out there trying to help, um, wanting to help you. Um, but you sometimes have to get in your car. And that's what I learned from the Wachowski brothers was get in your car. Um, don't be lazy. You know, don't just sign the contract. Go get in your car and go meet some people and 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 you'll learn a lot more really quickly. And and there's no subject that you can't absorb if you do that. What I love about that is there's a couple of things is um, one, I mean, it sounds like one of your superpowers is like power leveling yourself uh, through, you know, being able to go and meet people on, on their level of what they're passionate about. And you can say, Hey, you're amazing. Can you power level me? And let's go through this dungeon together, the dungeon of yeah. woodworking. Let's yeah. go. And then, they, and then they take you. And so your, your first thing, when you go to tackle and hurt and jump a hurdle, you're all, who's the best in the world at this? Let yeah. me go find that. Let me ask them, how do they jump this hurdle? Can you show me how you jump the hurdle? And then you're, and then you're, you're using that and you're leveraging almost kind of like in a very pleasant and loving way of Highlander, instead of cutting off their head, you buying them for buying them dinner. So, you know, yeah, it, if you're, if you're super respectful, um, yeah. that's what gets things done. Um, if you're, if you, if they can feel that you're authentically really in, then it, it's really, really the way to go. And, and I'll, I'll quickly get to that. Cause I think that's been a life lesson for me is learning, um, that the more that you appreciate what people do. So let me touch on that really quick. In the game mm -hmm. industry, I'm a programmer, so I should be programming and I should stay in my programming lane and just stay out of all the other lanes, right? But mm -hmm. in reality, if you actually take some of your time and sit with the animators, just listen to them, what they're into, what they would like to, you know, what they wish could happen or what, what would make the animation better, um, you start to understand their space and, and what they what matters to them. And you go, I think I can help you with that. And then you go and you do that. And then they're like, wow, thank you so much for listening. You can do it with the audio guy. Like, I really care about the music. Really, no one ever cares about my music. You know, they just put yeah. it in. No, I really care. Let's make it sound good. And and so it's what it does is it, it start when you start opening your mind to, actually, I'm interested in what you do. Yeah. Uh, like I could quiz you. I would love to quiz you on how to run podcasts well, right? And, and the software and the tools <laughs> sure. and the tricks to it, because it's interesting to me to learn that. Um, and what uh, what will happen? And this is this is why I'm I'm sort of talking about this is because this has helped me immensely in life is by learning different things. Whenever you get into a, a new environment and meeting somebody new that you, you know uh, you don't you don't really know, what happens is whatever they do 
you might find out they're into woodworking or photography or they fly helicopters or whatever it is they do, um, you have rapport because mm. you not just appreciate what, the, what they do, but you've put some time and energy and thought into it and you've got stories to tell in that space and you'll find the rapport you can create with a, a myriad of people goes up exponentially. Um, if you're just like, I'm an engineer and I don't care about anything else, I just, just stay away from me. Uh, yeah. All I want to do is talk to engineers. It's not yeah. going to work. It's, it, 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 it doesn't, um, the world doesn't open up to you the, yeah. the, the way you would think. And so I've found that that has been unbelievable. And I have, I have one good example um, where I was sitting on a flight once to New York and there's this guy beside me and I looked at him and he's some older dude. And I thought to myself, I'm going to try this now just to see what's the rapport. It's there. I just don't know what it is. So I said to the guy, you know, hi, what, you know, what is it you do? And he said, um, I, I ship ore into the United States. And, and I'm like, ore, ore shipping, like metals and stuff like that. I've got nothing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you got me. I got nothing. And I, I, I was like, cause I was so confident. I'm going to get this guy. Right. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't have anything. And then, then uh, I noticed that he was, he had a PSP at the time, which little, the Sony handheld and he was playing, um, uh, Virtua Tennis, and um, and and I I said you know oh I know the guys that made that game, and he goes I invested in that in that company and and I go oh really and so we start talking and 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 that's that's my point is something will open, and we end up having a nice chat and then he says to me, um, look I'm going to go and see you two tonight at the uh, at Madison Square Gardens would you like to join me and and I'm like sure so. Suddenly, I'm being invited to watch you two at Madison Square Gardens. Turns out the ore industry is a big money industry. <laughs> this guy bought the whole row. So we had a row of seats over the stage that were all his. And, uh, and, and we ended up, it was just one of those, like, if I hadn't have said hello, I wouldn't be sitting here in this, in this unbelievable, uh, you know, in these great seats at, at a U2 concert. And so how many opportunities like that are you missing all the time? Right? So beautiful. It's kind of like what they're all out there, um, but but a lot of people just never are going to make the connections, and uh, and that's the problem. What I what I love about that there's there's several things. I mean, uh, the what's amazing about that is one like the the game you play is you one of, you have all these hobbies, which is just a, a kind of like the Venn diagram of your passion for learning and just under understanding that, and then your passion for building rapport, which is having uncommon commonalities, idiosyncrasies. And then yes. you're, you, you, and then you can you use both those passions to both learn and enhance that skill set for you to play the game of of lack of a better term. I, I heard it in this uh, this one literal RPG book, uh, forced friendship, uh, mm -hmm. where you can you can build rapport with people. It's but it's in a genuine curiosity and loving and connected kind of way. But it's also a game to you, which is a fun game to play. Which is, can I make anybody my friend? And yes. and how can I find a way to care about you? And how can we find things we can care about together? Which is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and it's it's there's a downside to it, which is that it means you won't be the master at any of these things because uh -huh. I can't dedicate my life to golf or I can't yeah. dedicate my life to just watching basketball. Um, you have to um, you have to be open to learning as many things about as many things as as you can. And honestly, I think it's it gets fascinating the more because then things start linking. Like you know something about this and something about that, and they actually end up linking. Um, so 
for me, that, that means that there's a very interesting life decision here is somebody says to you, do you want to try this? Or do you want, you know, hey, would you like to go here? Or do you want to, you know, experience mm -hmm. such and such? And then you, you, um, if you buy into this concept, you have to say yes. Um, so when someone says, do you want to go and do a parachute jump? You're like, oh, uh, <laughs> yes. And, and then you go and experience a parachute jump. Right, which means when you're on that plane and you're talking, and someone says, "Oh, I do a lot of parachuting," I had a guy once uh, was he was reading, um, sitting beside me in a plane. He was reading a magazine on water skiing, and I'm like, "I water ski. Um, I've water skied at one of the biggest race places in the United Kingdom. Um, I have crazy stories to tell because it's it's uh, it's it's not as easy as it seems, and and the water is like uh, it's like." I mean, there's basically ice around the edges, so it's it's crazy. Um, but the he starts telling me about how he's fallen in the water and had you know alligators right beside him in Florida, um, and you just suddenly have a conversation about a subject again that that's just something that that is uh, you didn't how could you have known going in that that was his thing? He this guy's all in on on water skiing, but can you carry a conversation on it? And, and so when, the day you get a chance to water ski, do it. That's, that's beautiful. So say yeah, when all things being equal, say yes to the adventure because it's going to expand who you are, which will allow you to then connect and make more expansions. And you're basically growing your, your uh, human influential network. So you're able to expand out and buy more connections, grow more expand, and then you can be able to actually step into any situation and, and, and make friends. Do you... Is there just out of curiosity? Is there is there a favorite things that you say when it's when there's a situation where you feel intimidated or you feel like you it's difficult to do? I mean, you talked a little bit about the or guy. Is there any other situations or any tactics that you use to open up a conversation if you're in that stage where you still haven't hooked them? Is there is there stuff that you do in that situation that, to continue to hook to see what you can find that resonates with people? Is there any structures or frameworks you could give to people that might have? Because making friends out of strangers is amazing and terrifying. Incredibly. So what kind of frameworks could you empower with people uh, to be able to kind of stick in there and not just go, oh, my God, or I got to go and then run off? Yeah. No, the trick is to is to not be intense and weird. Like, just uh, just be kind of fun. Like, have a joke around. Look for a okay. joke. Um, okay. Is there anything I can say that's kind of a bit funny? Uh, um so humor is a great icebreaker, but um, no, the one that, that I think is most interesting is when you start to ask them about what they love to do. Um, you don't, I, I don't really want to talk about their job. Um, I don't really want to, to ask them sort of more generic questions. It's, it's you want to di dig into what do they, what do they love? What are they about? What is it that drives them? Like what's their passion? And you find that they're in, they're into mountain climbing or something. And it's like, you know, you can't even tell from the surface sometimes the things that people are actually into. And those are the things they want to talk about. They don't really want to talk about their job that much, uh, you know, unless that's all they've got going on. Um, mm -hmm. But usually people have something they're into. And, um, and, and I think that's the way is, is think about how are you going to work out what that is and how can you get to that? Because once, once they start talking about the thing that they're really passionate about, then, then you've effectively unlocked them. You get to hear who they really are, and it's kind of fun. That's awesome, um, and so true. I mean, we're sometimes we get stuck in the work mode, and, and that's all you have. You have this like one lens to look through everything, but we 
father, brother, sister, mother, whatever the things might, there's so many things that you, that you aren't, you're not just a working machine. Uh, is that way um, you talk a little bit about then why you do photography? Um, we had to talk about this in person um, and, and I thought it was beautiful and it stuck with me. Um, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear you just uh, talk to me a little bit about why you do photography and what's the, what's the real passion and interest behind that? What happened was my father um, was a photographer through his whole life. And I honestly felt a bit ashamed that I never really had him teach me how to do photography. Like it, it's, it's kind of an absurdity that you have this guy who's, you know, who's out there doing photography. Um, and, you know, I could have just put, just said, you know, just show me how to do it or explain it to me. I don't know what an F stop is. Can you explain it to me? Um, I never did that. And so it's, I, I felt like, so once I, um, I mean, it's, it's sadly, um, as he was um, passing away, he ended up uh, passing away due to, due to cancer. Um, but while he, while he was going through that phase, I was tr constantly trying to cheer him up. Um, and I said to him, I'm going to get into photography and can you recommend my first camera? And he said to me, well, that would be a Hasselblad. And I go, you know, like Hasselblad, what's that? He goes, when they flew to the moon, they took a Hasselblad, <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you're That's trying it. to decide which camera, yeah. uh, you know, when it's absolutely critical that that camera works and does a good job, they take a Hasselblad. And so I went down and I bought a Hasselblad. What I didn't realize was that if you have a good camera, it actually makes your pictures better. Um, I, I mean, photographers will all go, oh, no, that's not the case. It's skill and all the rest of it. Honestly, getting a really good uh, camera, your mm -hmm. pictures level up immediately versus your cell phone pictures. Um, and then you just learn, have to learn how to use it. And boom, this class is everywhere. Everyone wants to teach you how to use your camera. Um, and then after taking lots of classes, um, I'll, I'll give you one thing which I think is funny, is I was one of those stupid people that, was, that thought it was a, a data problem. So I'm being an engineer. I'm like, mm -hmm. if I just knew all their settings, I could do this too, right? So yeah. I, I'm, I'm sitting there with some master photographer who's teaching a class, and I'm trying to see what number he has on the back of his light so I can write it down. And I have pages and pages of all the notes that I took, you know, what angle I think this light's at and all this kind of nonsense. And, 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 and at one point, I, um, there's a, a photographer from New York that I really like. And he, he said, uh, um, it was Peter Hurley. And Peter Hurley said, look, it's not about the settings. It's it's about the relationship between you and the person um, taking the picture. In fact, the camera shouldn't be involved. So you don't need, So I, and, and this is gonna sound crazy, but what it means is you're talking to the person, you don't look at the camera, so you don't know what the settings numbers are. Your hands just change dials because you know what the dials do and the numbers change on the back, but the, a good photographer doesn't need to know the numbers. And that's that's like, what? Nobody told me that. <laughs> I've been doing this, I've got so many pages of numbers, yeah. and, uh, and, and I'm trying to, I'm taking pictures of setups and everything. It's not about that. It's about learning, you should, 
your, your hands on a camera, you should be adjusting the dials naturally going, I need it brighter, I need it dark, or I want to, you know, make the shallower depth of field, whatever. That all just happens. The numbers don't matter. It's, it's, you're getting, you're pulling the shot out that you're looking for based upon what's in front of you. And mm. that situation is never going to be the same again, because it's, everything's changing all the time and these are different people and the lighting's different. So you've just got to be able to deal with it. But what actually matters is can you get the person engaged? And so one of the big tips I have, um, uh, which will save you a lot of photography lessons is to try to, to try to get an authentic picture of somebody. Um, and what does that mean? There's probably a picture you've seen of yourself at some point. You're like, wow, that's a really good picture of me, but most of them aren't. And the reason is, is because most of them aren't the authentic you. And when you see the picture of you where you're not posing in any way, it's just you being you and you're alive and you're laughing. Those are the pictures that people invariably go, oh, my God, I love this picture. And it ends up being in their social media. It ends up being yeah. used everywhere because you captured them, the real version of them. And so the really, really, really good photographers are the ones that are able to get people to um, to to be authentically there either in mind or or um an example that peter hurley teaches if you can get them to laugh um there's a moment after a laugh when the when the when all the teeth disappear mm -hmm. um but the eyes are lit up and their and their engagement on the camera is 110 percent so what he'll do is he'll take a bunch of pictures he'll make them laugh and he'll take these pictures then he shows a classroom of students the pictures one by one and he says you know when you see the picture that's really good um i want you all to say shebang and so he starts flipping through the pictures and you hear the whole room go shebang and and it's because there's a certain picture where the person is just uh a hundred percent engaged in the shot and and you only need to get a few of those pictures and and you, you tend to blow away um the subjects uh you know that are getting shot because they see themselves the way the way others um, see them for real. It's a really yeah. interesting thing. And so he wins lots of awards for his work. But um, I, I think that that um, when you open up a subject like photography, you're thinking yeah. it's all about settings. It's got nothing to do with settings. Then you realize it's all about light. There's people who will, who will tell you nothing, but it's all about the light. It's all about the light. And it is until it's about the, the person. And, and the, the, the end of the path is, is, can you take a really good per picture of somebody? Mm. Um, and then the lighting and the, and the settings are not the problem. It's, it's getting that individual to, yeah. to get a real picture. So my point is it's really fun. Um, and I, I say that, but that's just one subject that's photography. Then you get into cinematography. Um, mm. now you're learning about how to shoot video. That's a whole different subject. Um, so what I do is I love when I'm, I'm like, say I'm somewhere, um, and maybe I'm at a, sh a conference and I'm talking on stage. Mm -hmm. I'm the one guy that's really interested in which microphones they're they're connecting to me and how this all works, right? Um, instead of, you know, just saying let's go, let's get this over with. I, I'm like, you know, this is I, I'm fascinated to see the, how how the production is put together. Yeah. Um, so that's that's something I think. Uh, I don't know. I think it's something that people the more that they they realize that that these aren't dark arts in any way. Um, I think they would, the more that they they consider all options on the table as things to learn, um, I, I think the more they will start to enjoy um, all the people that they interface with. Well, what's beautiful about that is 
a bunch of things, but one is uh, this kind of insatiable curiosity you have to learn and understand your environment, understand how you're connecting, understanding not only like you're you're optimizing the connection point and 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 helping people express their their most authentic form at that at that pinnacle point of them being completely unconscious of their existence in the, in the most flow state possible. What's amazing is like, yeah, the camera matters, the lighting matters, all those things matter, but it's it's to get to that top point of that, of showing someone who they are, at their, their, their best version of themselves where they can see that and they could feel that and they and they look at themselves in that way and go, man, that's me. And that that's an amazing gift to give someone in the, in a conversation, in a in gift form and picture form, to be able to show people their authentic self, to where it starts to even shift their own belief in who they are um, by being able to now take that 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 most excellent moment of them and then show the world on their social media and everywhere else. And I mean, I remember I a friend of mine took a photo of me while I was just laughing, and back when I had luscious hair and I was yeah. rubbing it, and I was just yeah. like, oh my god, that's the greatest photo ever, and I used it all over the place. I was like. I was like, yeah. wow, and it's 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 a it's a true gift to give to people is is for them is for them to be able to see themselves in a new light. So, um, yeah, and it's I've had kids come in like you'll get a young uh, like some dad will bring his daughter to get her picture taken, yeah. and the the daughter's all like clammed up and she's really shy, and you're you're I start off and I take some pictures and I love it because I know those first pictures I took are going to be so phenomenal to show her later when we're done. What do you see the person that leaves here confidence-wise versus the person that arrived here? We are going to go through the world's biggest confidence rise on this individual, and uh, and you can see it, but it's going to change them for their lives because mm -hmm. now they're going to, when someone points a camera at them, instead of closing down, they, 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 now, they now know how to be confident and stand and look into a camera, and, and it's each, each step of it, uh, you can sort of help it's it's so funny to see, um, uh, you know, I, and it's funny because Peter Hurley has a story about that where he had some some mother um, kept insulting the daughter, like you'll never be good at this, or you know, was insulting her right in front of the camera until the girl starts crying, and and he's trying to take a picture of her and she's crying because her mother won't stop railing on her, Aww. and he's in, he's like, would you please get out of my studio? I, I and uh, and he sat the girl down and he. That's one thing that photography can yeah. do is you can actually really pick the people's confidence up and, and, and make them realize, no, you are actually really attractive. Um, and, you know, you whenever you take a picture, there's just some tricks to it and, and, and some methods which, which will, will make the pictures a lot better. When they start to see that, you see them fully engaged. It's, it's a very interesting um, uh, subject overall, but, but I, I do agree. It's definitely one of the best gifts you can give to people. And um, and that's why I think I really enjoy doing it. It's and what's really cool about that is I mean you I mean you're giving someone a gift of a belief in themselves. It's very much how your um, last boss was like, hey, you're gonna go learn this thing, this language, and put this thing in, in one day. And yeah. then you're like, that's that's not possible. And at the end, you had that experience that now had you look in your light of not only is that possible, I can do more. You expand the potential of of what's possible with them. And it sounds like a lot of things like uh, what's coming to my mind, just the two words that's just coming top of my mind in terms of that camera is, is like frictionless friendship is this like kind of way to kind of bring someone into your world, work with them in, in, in a loving and caring way, help them see the best selves themselves and hopefully both trade knowledge and, and become a little, a little better for that experience um, in, in whatever capacity that is.
Mm -hmm. um, what is, so, so you've taken this, uh, I, I imagine this is one of many of your superpowers as you've, as you've gone through this, just this journey of uh, self-growth and evolution. Have you had to do any type of like inner work or things to overcome on your own inner journey as you've gone along this path? Like be, besides the ability to, can you actually code this thing amount of time? What inner work have you had to be able to do to become better at connecting with people and seeing their potential and, 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 you know, is there, is there any type of stuff that you've done on yourself internally to become, uh, to increase the frictionless friendship? Yeah, it's, I'm actually an incredibly shy person. That's the, that's the real truth is I'm internally very shy. And, um, uh, I was once invited to a, um, it's hard to explain. It was like a summit for art or something in Banff. And, uh, um, and I went there and they had all these really cool art exhibits. And mm. one of them was, um, imagine there's a, um, a tabletop, but there's a projector projecting down on it. And it looks as if there's, uh, it was like a, a woman in a bathtub. And if anyone touches the, the woman, she would move. And you and you would see all the, you would hear the sounds of all the water moving and see the water moving, and so it's effectively interactive moving art, right? Mm. Um, and I'm like, oh, this is very cool because it's like a dark room and you you know you go in and you you know you see people interacting with this thing, and it turns out that it was actually a study to see um, to test personalities. So there was a camera watching us from above to see where you stand in a circle of closeness to the to the interaction so that there's some people go up and just start, you know, putting their hands all over it. And there's other people who stand way back, the, the sort of more timid and shy people, mm -hmm. which would be yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I, I would just be there observing and, and, and watching, but I'm not the guy that runs up and starts putting my hands um, into the, into the thing. And so I think that's the point is that there's, there's uh, if anything, it's been helpful um, sometimes to, to put yourself into situations. I used to find when I was asked to speak at conferences, it kind of stressed me out. And I realized that it was actually stressing me out. So I, I, I in a way, forced myself to do it. Um, I'm, I'm apologizing for my dogs barking, but we yeah, have it's not. Yeah. an air conditioning guy here. Um, the great protector. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I yeah. forgot what I was saying there. What was I saying? I Incredibly shy person, stressed out, and you recognize that you were stressed out from being on stage. So, and that's yes. where we got so, so then I started to actually accept more speaking appointments, which is counter <laughs> to that. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to speak as much as I possibly can anywhere. When anyone let me on a stage, I'm going to do it because I want to overcome this. And in the end, I, I traveled to... Um, to go and see the TED conference, not the TEDx, but the real TED mm. conference. And I, oh, cool. I saw the guy in charge of the TED conference at the, you know, one of the food lines where he's getting lunch. And I just went up to him and I pitched him on the spot, like I, I'd like to speak at the conference. Um, and he agreed to do it. And and so suddenly I I'm going to speak at TED, and that was pretty stressful. It, it, and it, it's a whole long story, but it turns out I was really ill the day I had to speak at TED. Like I was, I had, I had um, stomach flu, so I was incredibly sick. Um, and I still went ahead and give the talk because you only get one TED talk chance. They weren't mm -hmm. gonna invite me back again if I skipped. 
So I went ahead and did the talk, um, but it was, uh, it's, it's those moments where you're, you're realizing that um, there's, a, there's something blocking you, so you have to overcome it. I can't, I can't spend the rest of my life afraid to, to get in front of a, an audience. And so now, at this point, I've given speeches to thousands of people, um, and and I I kind of enjoy it. I think it's it's now. What's what's what you don't know is when you're going to speak to an audience is quite often if it's a big event, there's so much light being cast at you, you can't even see the audience because um, because you're on a stage which is all lit so aggressively. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find that the, you know, you can see a few rows of people, but you generally can't see everybody unless it's like some, um, you know, convention, but in general, I really enjoy it now and I'm more than happy to do it. So I guess the point is that, that you just have to, to, to jump in and go for it. Yeah. What's interesting. What's making me think about is a, is a couple things. One, it's like, you're, you're jumping over the hurdle of you, right? You're like, oh, oh, this is, this is my problem. And then you go and you just just crush that problem till it doesn't exist anymore. And I think if you combine that that personality trait with the curiosity and, and all the other things, it can it can stack to be a really, I mean, really powerful combo of just being able to evolve yourself, evolve your friendship, your network, your friends, your learning, which is super cool. Um, on 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 that note, I know we have the dog in the background, but it's all. Like, you want me to quickly? solve the dog problem sure yeah go for it i'm gonna talk i'm just gonna talk to the camera a little bit while you go and do that so so what i find really fascinating about this and he's gonna go fix this real quick is that if you look at the mindset and the skill sets the skill sets are all they're all achievable um but the mindset the willingness to the, the curiosity to learn anything the game of friendship the building the social networks with people that can actually power level you like no other and actually having a diverse network to where any person that you need you can actually step into and level your skills up is a, is extraordinary the one thing I, I would be very curious to see how this applies is uh, you've been i would say fairly successful at building companies and you've done it again and again and again and in multiple different ways so how does what is your mindset around customer feedback what is your mindset around building products and companies what is your uh if you're someone who's shy who doesn't who doesn't normally engage with people and something that you've gotten better over time with how have you taken all these 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 natural uh or learned skill sets and mindset and applied it into the area of choosing companies to work on and also refining those with with customer feedback yeah i i tend to get attracted to things that you're going to do that won't feel like washing the dishes, right? So what do you do? Are you inventing something or are you just washing the dishes? Um, and so that's the thing I tend to, I talk quite a lot about, but it's really just a concept is if you sort of, I call it thinking down the track. So, you know, in any industry, if you can imagine it as a train track, there's a train on the tracks and everyone's on the train and there's some people miss the train and they're a bit late and they're trying to copy and trying to catch up with the train. Um, you definitely don't want to be there. Being on the train is cool because you're on the train. Um, but the question is, is where's the train going? And so there's a certain amount of people trying to work out where the next station is. Um, and they're trying to get that one station ahead. But what I'm always trying to think about is, okay, after you've thought of that, what's the one ahead of that? What's the one ahead of that? And just trying to think forward as far as you possibly can down the track. And at some point, you were not going to be able to think any farther. Um, 
But then now you've identified that point to start working towards that. Uh, because when you do, it's going to be fun because you're inventing at that point. Everything you do is inventing and you're going to be going in a direction that most people aren't like all, especially people chasing the train. So um, people are going to find that probably quite interesting, whatever you're doing. My last company, we, um, the concept was um, getting people to play video games. Um, where's that going? Well, games were starting to go online, but but it's quite hard to get them to engage at scale where they're all having to download and install the game. Um, and this was something that I was seeing in, in the PC market. And so, you know, we're thinking, what would be the, the best possible version of experiencing a game? And the answer would be playing it instantly. And then instantly where? Well, instantly everywhere. Um, and okay, um, what games? Just the current games or all games? Well, I'd like all games. So all games everywhere instantly? That sounds cool. Um, what is that? How does that work? How could you make all games everywhere instantly? Um, and you start going, well, we can't run the game locally because it can't be instant. So there's no choice. You're going to have to run the game in the cloud. So how do you do that? Um, I don't know. I know nothing about the cloud. So I go on Wikipedia and I type in like big networking companies and it listed them. And I started calling them one by one and just started asking them about, um, you know, how, what, how does it work? Like, what would I, what do they offer? And I ended up talking to a company called Savis. The salesman was on the phone with me from Savis, which is a great big network, or it was at the time. Um, and I said to him, look, I, if I had a game running in a certain data center somewhere on your network, how fast will the connection be from different places? So could you draw me a map of the speed of your network so I can see, because I know it's not a circle. Like if there's one in Los Angeles, I know it's not a circle. What shape is that? And he goes, dude, if I had that, that would be incredible. I would love that, that chart. I could sell the heck out of that. And I go, well, we could help you make that if you want. And he goes, would you be willing to talk to my CEO about that? And I go, sure. Next minute, I'm in St. Louis sitting with the CEO of Savis pitching him this idea. Why don't we help you make a map of the speed of your network? Because it's going to help us too. And he said, done. You can have access to all of our data centers for free. And, 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 and suddenly, I mean, talk about an, uncompare, an unfair competition. Like anyone that competes against us has to pay for all the data centers across the country. Um, so what is that? What is that? That's not planned. That's just, <laughs> I, that's the thing I always fail to understand is what is that? Um, but somehow that happens. And, and so the challenge, I once gave a commencement speech, um, at a university and I talked about the, these weird opportunities just surface and it's up to you to take them. And, you know, in a way your path in life is going to be based to some extent on luck and how things occur and that the, the, they really hated my commencement speech like the the faculty was just that was terrible <laughs> it's not about luck yeah. it's about education <laughs> what are you talking about no, uh, and i'm like no that's actually not the way it works um where it really works yeah. is is these opportunities just yeah. pop up randomly and you need to be ready to, to grab them um, oh man that gives but, me a real just a, just a quick slight note on that yeah. was 
I remember getting an argument with my teacher and she's like, is it what you know or is it who you know? I'm like, it's who you know. Yeah. And she goes, what about getting to college? I'm like, well, do you know the dean? And we just kept playing. <laughs> we kept playing this, we kept playing this game. And she got so mad. And I'm yeah. like, oh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you know the dean? Like, is the dean a family member? Does that help? I don't know if that, that might help. Uh, yeah, yeah, it might open some doors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I love the cold calling Sabbath network. And then, and then, but, but you're, you're basically scratching lotto tickets by making these cold calls. And then those things open up. And then you're like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Joseph Campbell, like, when you're on the path, doors open up to you that aren't that to other people that aren't on the path. Um, but I, and I don't know what that is. I don't know if we live in one big Elon Musk like like simulation type of thing or not. But um, but I would love you see please. you're a gamer, so you get this. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's that obvious to people why it's fun. But I if I if I'm in LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. I, I have now. I think I'm. I don't know how many is the limit. I think I'm like twenty nine thousand connections or something. Whatever I, I, they've warned me that I'm about to run out of connections, but they, <laughs> the reality is, um, if I want to send a message to someone on LinkedIn, what I do is I sit there and go, "This is a game, game on." I'm going to write something, not because that's the thing that needs to be written. I'm going to write something that's going to engage the person at the other end and get them to reply to me, and it's just a game, right? I, I can't tell you how many people spam me and, and just, you know, obviously they just copy paste, copy paste, or using some tool to just dump the same garbage. And it's and they're just wasting everybody's time. But mm -hmm. if you if you can write something that's very engaging to somebody, um, it becomes a game and it's it's a bit of a thrill when the response comes back. Um, and so I think that's another interesting point. It's just to have fun with it. It's not, yeah. you know. It, it it is really a game, and 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 done right. When that response comes back, it's really enjoyable, and you should get you should enjoy that because you deserve mm -hmm. it because you you sat there and thought it through. But if that's the truth, then who can't you connect with, right? Mm -hmm. If 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 because LinkedIn will give you the capability of sending a message to, to a lot of people, um, but can you get them to respond? Um, yeah. Did you just write something really boring? Um, or did you write something uh, that's all? Or did you write something that's all about you, like what you want from them? Um, and and so that's a it's a kind of a, there's a book. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. He's this uh, dude who gives a lot of advice on on uh, social media and stuff. But he's mm -hmm. kind of fascinating because he talks about you know you, like in, in boxing you have the jab jab hook and and mm -hmm. so you have to give a little before you you ask for the you put the ask in there. Um, and so what are you doing? It, so it, there's, there's great books. There's one called the irresistible offer, uh, mm -hmm. is a good, is a good one. Um, irresistible offer. Yeah. I, I hate the fact that you have to read a book to get an idea. It's, it's so annoying to me. Like you have to read through a whole book and there's this one idea. I wish they would just admit it, that there's an idea, which is a good idea, but let's just get to the point. Um, yeah, just, but, all, you know, but also the, the 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 emotion creates the story and the context to be able to retain that idea. I know you're saying yeah. don't give me don't give me any foreplay, but the way that yeah. humans learn is in story formats. So the more engaging and compelling the story, that the better yeah. the, the lesson sticks. Because I could jump a billion ideas, but one well executed story that makes you remember a lesson forever is, in, and that's why you need the book. Right? That's fair. However, you uh, see people very very commonly kill the story the way they, yeah. they, they, they can't quite remember it and they tell it all wrong and then it's annoying. <laughs> but, so uh, but anyway, it, it's, uh, 
I think that's important. Um, there, there are there are definitely some key ideas out there that 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 can help focus. Uh, I want I want to touch on something real quick. Twenty nine thousand LinkedIn friends. Yeah. Right. Okay. How how did you get twenty nine thousand? Well, I, it's actually um, being an engineer. LinkedIn launched this new service. Mm-hmm. I don't know what LinkedIn is or what it's going to be, um, mm-hmm. and they it sounded to me like some kind of network that was going to be where you would connect to other business people. And then it's like, do you want to connect to this person or do you want to block them? And I'm like, why would I block anyone? That's stupid. Right. Cause they might know somebody who knows somebody who gets me to that person. I, I can't understand why you would block out a graph. Um, I don't need something to help me know who I know. So I don't need something to keep track of my friends for me. Um, I need something to help me reach anybody I want to reach. So how does LinkedIn help you do that? And the answer is uh, connect to everybody. So um, when people, I, I did that until I hit the limit. And then I now I've actually had to unfollow to try to keep it under control. But um, so now I don't. What I do is, is I'll, I'll connect to everybody that wants to connect to me. But if they mm. spam me, I, I unfollow them. That's my new rule. And, it, and, it, and, sure. not, and, and then you end up with this really good... Um, you know, really incredible network for reaching people. So it, it, it's got, so I'm thinking as an engineer, it's just a, it's, it's just solving an actual technical problem, which is connections. I don't need it as a, as a social network. Yeah. Um, so, so people are like, what you accept of someone you don't know? <laughs> yes. It's, who cares? It's data. It's just data. It's, but it's, it's interesting to see uh, you focus on the game of friendship so much that you broke LinkedIn. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you broke the game. And so that leads me into what you're currently working on now with go viral and, and kind of looking at the history of uh, how you play the game of life and how you level up and how you power up and, 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 and what skills to focus on. Um, I, uh, you've stepped into a, a new space, not in games and why aren't you making games? No, no. The, the question is not that it's, it's, you stepped into a new space. Can you talk to me just a little bit about Go Viral? What was the what's the genesis of that company, and then what how has it evolved since then? Well, just to, just to finish up gaming before I do that, um, yeah. I'm I, I am sort of uh, for now I, uh-huh. I'm sort sort of done with gaming, but then I couldn't help myself because a friend of mine um, yeah. said he wanted to make a new console that would be for families. And, uh, and I did, I have to admit, I got excited about the idea, the idea of couch play where people mm-hmm. play together again, the way they used to, um, meaning, meaning that two kids are playing something and mm-hmm. somebody else walks in the room and they're like, do you want to join us? And they're like, sure. And they can just jump in and join. And the instructions can, can be no longer than a sentence. So you can't say here's a manual or it's going to take you a week to learn how to play this thing. It's like, uh, the, uh, you know, the big fish eat the smaller fish. Don't get eaten. That's the instructions go. And, and then, the, the, then everyone plays, but then mom can sit down and mom can join in as well. And she can have fun with the kids and, um, and the games are designed and, and, and balanced so that, that mom can actually win. And, um, even if she's never played before and that creates this, everyone starts, uh, you know, it gets competitive and mom's yep. really in, in for the win and she's serious and, the, you know, grandpa could actually get this point on Pong. Well, what's happening is grandpa's bat is getting bigger every time grandpa loses until <laughs> it starts to get fair, right? 
So Grandpa's now there's a five year old and Grandpa, and now it's a fair game again. I'm yeah. kind of in, in, enamored by the concept, and that's that's uh, the device is called the Intellivision Amico, and and I'm mm -hmm. kind of fascinated to see how that works out because that could become um, a really interesting thing that helps bring the the couch and the real uh, play together feeling of gaming back. There's a lot of people today retreating mm -hmm. to play by themselves. They're on their phone playing the game they want to play. And it's and it's not really multiplayer, and or they're in their room playing Fortnite or whatever, and they may be playing other people in other places, um, but they're not playing with their family and they're not playing mm -hmm. with the friends that are in their house, um, and and so it's it's not designed as a, as a, a replacement for a, mm -hmm. a PlayStation or anything like that. It's just a, a different device designed for when you get into that setting, you have some friends over and you just want to play something where you don't want to have to try to explain complicated rules to them. Even board games, the the rules get too complicated. Yeah, it's just too much bother to explain it all to them. Yeah. So um, the idea of being having something simple is good. So that's really my last thing um, for the game industry right now is to focus. Um, I'm on the board and I'm trying to give some guidance because uh, I'm excited about that platform. Then, then um, um, I decided after my last company was bought by Sony, and so this time mm -hmm. I've decided to try something different. Mm -hmm. um, a bit like I talked about before, where you're sort of looking at a different space and saying, can I even, can I operate in that space? Is there anything, can I learn this space fast enough to not screw up? Um, and and the space that I chose um, was influencers. Um, it seemed really interesting to me. I was, I was taking their pictures and realizing that they weren't happy with the way they operated, that they didn't get to work with brands they wanted to work with. Um, they were always being asked to work with brands they didn't want to work with. And so I got interested in that space. And that sort of led me down this path, you know, which is a lot of a lot of time and a lot of work. Our team has worked so hard trying to really understand the problems and what we can do to help. Um, and where it ended up is we've 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 now created the lowest cost way to interact with social media influencers because of the authenticity of the relationship, meaning mm. that um, we're connecting influencers to the brands they actually want to meet, the ones they love, the ones that they buy their products, and the ones that they would love to have a real relationship with. That's what we do. And we do mm -hmm. it for free. Um, and we have over 35,000 brands have joined our platform um, now to wow. do that. By doing that and getting so many brands, um, and we've connected them to over 7 million influencers now. But as, as that happens, um, what we've realized is that the power of the network is kind of fascinating. So when you get brands to work together, um, then new things become possible. So initially, brands were, were joining just to find out their influencers. But now we're realizing that if the brands actually collaborate, they become, it's like one plus one equals three. And, mm. uh, and as that keeps going, the power of the network is really quite immense. There's 340 million visitors a month. Um, so is there any way this brand can share in some of that traffic? Like, can they push their products to the edge of the network? So we started to talk about commerce to the edge, which means pushing your products to the edge of a pre-existing network to get the traffic and awareness for free. And why would they do that? Because they can all do that together as long as they all agree to do that together. And so that's what Caro has developed into. And our tagline is sell more together. And the concept now is of course, we still do the influencer piece, but there's this second piece which allows brands to collaborate and take a product 
that they sell and put it into another store. So let's say there's a bicycle store that doesn't mm -hmm. sell helmets, which is crazy. If you have a bicycle store that doesn't sell helmets, what are you thinking? Because you need helmets yeah. because they're going to buy them somewhere else. And if they buy them from you, they actually want your recommendation because they like yeah. your bike company. Um, and then when, the, when, when you sell the helmet, your average order value goes up. And so now you've got, um, you know, you're getting, you're getting to increase um, the value of each customer. So now you can spend more money on marketing. So it just makes sense. What else? They want gloves. Well, why don't you have gloves too? Um, and so our technology takes the gloves from the glove company and just places them into the, mm -hmm. into the bike store without having to buy any inventory and without having That's to store awesome. all these, these helmets in your, in your, in your warehouse. Um, so it, once you start thinking about that, it's kind of fun because now a brand will go, huh, well, I guess we'll take these two helmets. And it's like, no, there's no cost. You can have unlimited inventory. The, you can try different things. Let, learn who your audience is and what they want. Um, you, sell, you sell makeup, but you don't have brushes. You sell nail polish, but you don't have nail polish remover. You need to start thinking about what, what if, if you take away all the constraints on money and warehousing, what would you be and who would you be? Um, mm -hmm. and, and it, it's like, wait, what? This is not a question anyone's asking them, right? Who yeah. do you, what is your end game vision for your brand? And let us help you get there today. Um, and, and, and that's something that we, you can imagine. Um, it's rather exciting to brands yeah. when they, when they actually understand it. And so we're building all the technologies around, around making that possible at, at a global scale. That's that's awesome. And when you said it was like 340 million visitors, is that to your platform or through your platform? The, the... That's, that's the, so the way we think of it is uh, it's like a federation of brands. If you take all mm -hmm. the brands together, they create a new network mm -hmm. um, and they're all interconnected. So we have this amazing graphics. If I could do screen sharing, I could show you. But um, the idea is that uh, you can see how all of the brands are connecting mm -hmm. to each other on our platform. And um, and it's it's. It's a data set that I don't know where I could even buy it. Uh, can I buy a data set of all the brands that love each other and want to work together? Like, who's got that? You, um, so you made a new do. map. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's kind of fascinating to watch that grow every day. And, and so that's this is my point. Um, I don't really know what's going on, but somehow I'm in e-commerce now and I'm in <laughs> social media now. And guess what? Um, social media influencers don't know who they influence. This is like, wait, what? They don't know who they influence. They send their clicks to Amazon and they get two or 3% from Amazon and no idea who bought. So they've been doing it for years, which means that as an influencer, they don't know who they influence and they can't market to the next brand deal who, they, who they've who they influenced because they don't know. So so if if influencers create their own store and they use our technology, then now they can actually sell the products they love in their store. They become the retailer, so they get 30% of the sale, not two or 3%. So it's 10 times the revenue. And you keep all the customers. They're all yours, which means that now you can remarket your next brand deal with all the customers that have ever bought from you. It, it's, it's shocking, but only, I would say, 99% of influencers in the world today don't do this. They don't know who they influence. They're making a few percent, if if anything, 
Um, and or their mom signed some deal with a t-shirt company that's going to give them 10% of a t-shirt sale and that t-shirt company keeps your customers. It's like, these are terrible ideas. So what we're doing is we're saying to influencers, look, your brands too, you should be the one getting the retailer cut and you should be the one owning the audience. And you, and, and as you grow over, over years, as you grow and you're able to remarket and still like I already have, 150,000 people that have bought based upon my, you know, my choices or my suggestions, then, then uh, that's an incredibly valuable thing to that next deal. So why does this matter? Well, if you look at, at platforms like Shopify, they have about a million stores, over mm -hmm. a million stores. Um, but we estimate there's about 60 million influencers in the world right now, uh, especially when you get the TikToks and things like that, just, you know, growing more really rapidly. Yeah. Um, and so, the opportunity space is many millions of stores that, um, and, and the one problem that most stores have on the internet is they have no attention. No one's coming to the store and they have to pay Google or Facebook to get some traffic. Influencers have the exact opposite problem. They have an abundance of attention, um, but they don't really have a way to focus it. They don't have somewhere to focus it. Um, and, and so by doing it this way, finally all their social media can point to their store and that means if any social media network ever goes away it doesn't really matter to them because all the people who 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 actually um you know want to follow them or mm -hmm. that uh, that want to buy anything they recommend what, those are all backed up in in their own store what so, what when you say in store so let's just say there's different types of influencers i mean what about uh so instagram sounds like TikTok. they can do influencers what other influencer channels what about like facebook or what other, what, like, how, at what point, can you talk to me if, like, does it matter what platform you're on? Are you a LinkedIn influencer? Or how do you, what is your definition of someone that you can service that's an influencer? And what social media channels are they influencing? Yeah, if you take um, an influencer that is is across multiple channels, they've got a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. they've got an Instagram account, maybe they do mm -hmm. something on TikTok, mm -hmm. whatever combination doesn't matter. Maybe they write books, maybe they do podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. um, Whatever, whatever space they're operating in is fine. Um, but what it does is it gives, what, what I find very commonly is Instagram points to their podcast, but not to their store where they sell their presets. You know, and it's like, what are you doing? You know, you need to put them all together and have this, this central place that is you um, mm. online. And so social media should really just be a source of more um, traffic and and uh, and reach, and they should embrace as many as they can because uh, you know that, that fit within the, the the thing that they do. But ultimately, the uh, the the really high end influencers, of course, are already doing this. So the the, mm. the one percent have this down. Yeah. Um, they have multiple different brands. They own all the customers. They they get it. They've got it. They're yeah. they're locked in. But it's the ninety nine percent that's missing this, which is kind of interesting right now. Well, it's really cool because I mean, if you look at like so, the, so the online game is this: it's 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 you know how big is your list and what kind of offers can you make? And then once they go through the funnel, you're really looking at how much can you optimize the cart value to basically decrease the cost per click spend. So if you can increase the cart value of your customer, and you don't need to actually offload the cost, you don't actually have to absorb the the infrastructure damage that it takes to actually be able to increase your cart value. You can drive more ad dollars to people going through your thing, and and that then helps you build your own list, build your own customers, gets them off those channels, and allows you to to, to basically 
uh, service more people. And so it's it's that's the, the online game is can can I spend a dollar and make two dollars, or even better, can I turn on the ad machine and drive more people by increasing my cart value? I can have a, a bigger reach. And so you're basically empowering people to increase the size of their cart value by by finding lookalike people that that their groups already targeted. So my customer loves these hats and these jeans. So then you can bulk that together, increase that cart value, and then they can get a bigger throughput and 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 empower them with basically what the 1% can do, but to the 99% of the population that can't do it. That's exactly right. And to make it um, as effortless as we possibly can. So adding products from brands and it um, is literally one click. So you just yeah. click to add the products you want in your store. Um, if it's a big brand, then you send a request and then they give you permission or not. Um, so it's a very interesting um, space, but you yeah. see what I'm talking about where it's, it's sort of almost the wild west because we get to invent every day, every day we're solving new, Oh, how are we going to handle that? Right. And, mm -hmm. and there's no one to copy we're, we're just like, well, I guess we're going to do it this way, or we're going to, uh, you know, uh, we, we, um, we've been working out our pricing for, mm -hmm. for subscriptions for this system. And then, a brand just said to us, what if I was to give you 300,000 a month, what can you do for me? And it caused us just to look at each other going, you know, I think we've missed, we've missed out on something here. We, we definitely, we didn't have the discussion about what we're going to do for 300,000 a month, right? Um, why didn't we have that discussion? And it's something that I, I, I think about in the game industry, when the game industry learned this lesson, it took us a long time, mm -hmm. but we create this, artificial money wall, which is a $60 price for a video game. And if you don't have it, you can't play my game. That's a terrible idea. Mm. Um, and, and over time, we started to realize that's not a great idea. And, and the games on mobile, where the companies are worth billions of dollars, they solved that problem, which is they can accept any amount of money. So if somebody wants to put $10,000 into Clash Royale, they can. The game, the game will uh, absolutely allow you to do that. And so you end up with this curve of people who can't afford to put money in and people who can afford to put a lot of money in and you accept all, I call it just accepting all the money on the table. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's stunning how many businesses and I'm guilty of this too. So uh -huh. I'm, I, I just did that phone call today and it's very frustrating for me is we've gone and designed a structure where we're not accepting all the money on the table. Mm -hmm. um, how many businesses do that? Um, it, it's a bit like, um, you know, if you think about any industry, there's all, there's cars for everyone, every price point. So if you want to spend the money and buy a Porsche, the system's designed to, to accept that money. Um, and, you know, it, at the end of the day, it just gets you around. But people yeah. want to spend the money. Golf clubs, you can get your borrow old golf clubs or you can get spend $5,000 on your golf clubs. No problem. The industry has found a way to accept it. Um, and so... I think it's just a, it's an interesting business question. Are you accepting all the money on the table? Um, because, you know, here I go, I've gone and, you know, not found a way to do that. So I need to solve that. And, and that's, that's what I mean. So now I've been literally, I'm going to be tonight brainstorming with my co-founder and trying yeah. to think how the heck are we going to uh, open the door to more money? <laughs> well, Great. it's going up, the, it's going up the value ladder, right? Yeah. And, you're, and, and you're understanding that you can, there's low level value and then you're going up the chain, but you didn't realize there was another step on that value ladder of possibility, which you're like, Oh, Oh, I'm, I'm getting some feedback here, which is what could we do with that? What is that? Yeah. You know, okay. What's a, what's a five-star experience? What's a six-star experience? What's a 10-star experience? You know, that's, that's incredible. Um, 
Have you heard, uh, one thing I want to touch on um, is, is have you heard of the uh, conversion formula? Are you familiar with that? Um, um, I was uh, I was talking with um, uh, someone about uh, you being on the podcast and, uh, and one of the lessons you told me a long time ago is about frictionless, make everything frictionless as possible. Um, and there's a formula I don't know if you heard of, which is uh, C equals 4M plus 3V plus 2 uh, parentheses I minus F. I don't know if you've ever, have you heard about that? I haven't, I haven't come across that, but it sounds interesting. I'll tell you what it is. And I'd love for you to, I'd love to talk with you about this as uh, another uh, online marketer um, person that I, a gentleman told me about this and I thought this was, was interesting. So C is the probability of conversion. And then 4M equals the level of motivation of the user plus the uh, three times the value of the proposition. And then it's basically, you're looking at uh, two in the in parentheses of the incentive to take action minus the friction of the user. So as it works out in the moment, how motivated is the person is the four times multiplied plus what's the value, the clarity of the value prop. And then it's the, what is the incentive to take action in that moment minus the friction in that moment and that equals the probability of the conversion so if you if you decrease the friction and then that that allows that formula to work or you can increase the motivation or the clarity of the offer or the initialist incentivization and that is what's that some uh you know uh um geeky people online which i appreciate um created this formula for what it, how do you predict the probability of a conversion on an ad spend so right um, yeah, I actually really like the idea um, and the math. Um, if you think about it, it sort of makes sense. There's always other variables to consider, but mm -hmm. um, I think the way I've always described it is um, if you want to beat somebody else, just have less friction. It's actually quite easy. There's, you can disrupt industries. Um, there were, I, 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 the thing that sort of led me down that path was many years ago, I read a book um, by Bill Gates of all people that was called Business at the Speed of Thought. And I really liked that idea. Just forget about the book. I just liked that idea of business at the speed of thought. Um, that's about as close as I can get to frictionless. So I actually now when I'm in meetings, I had a, a call. I, 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 we're thinking about adding a third piece to our new company. So we have um, all this stuff you do with influencers that gets you attention. All the stuff you do collaborating with other brands that gets you sales. The mm -hmm. third thing I want to solve is, is funding. So we're going to create Caro Capital. And so when I'm talking to various entities that could uh, help, help make that happen, what I'm, what I'm saying to them is we start with zero clicks because the current systems are complicated. So let's start at zero and because and, and, that would be business at the speed of thought. Like I think I want something and I'm getting it. Um, so for that first click, why? what are we getting for that? Like, what do we have to do to get that first click in? I kid you not, we, we have, um, it, currently we have shopping for your shop. So you actually shop to find products and you, mm -hmm. and we got it down to one click to adding the product to your store. Um, but we're actually working right now on auto approval, which means that um, we're trying to find ways to get to zero clicks. Like the, the path, we're, we're literally, the discussion is continuous. Um, <laughs> Is that click necessary? I mean, they want the control of the click. If you ask them, do they want the click? Oh, yes, they want the click until they realize they can get a, get not have to do the click and their business will grow faster. So 
um, if we have more information than they do about whether the click is a good idea or not, wouldn't they rather let us make the determination versus them? Um, so maybe it'll take time to get them there, but you can see why the constant question of can it be less friction, can it be less friction, it's something I can never stop. I have to do it. And I think it's, um, I think it's a secret sauce. When I'm sitting, you know, I was talking earlier about your point and you say, look, that's a hurdle pointer, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, There's another yeah. one. I, I'm, I, I bought a car um, from BMW when I was sitting in the dealership uh -huh. and they have all this paperwork and like pages after pages to be signed. And I'm looking at all and I just think to myself, friction. It's just friction, right? Yeah. Um, wh it, why has somebody solved this? This is all friction. Um, and, and it's done because that's the way it's always being done. But what actually happens is someone always thinks of another piece of paper to add to the stack, right? There's some new waiver or some new thing. So they push it and have you sign that too. And, and so it gets worse and worse as a problem, not better and better. And so I think every industry can be disrupted if you, if you approach from that vector. I love that that frictionless mindset and get it down to zero. You want to talk about expanding because my brain was trying to like process when you're saying that you're like get to zero. I'm like eh. I'm trying to like I'm like how and I start like how could you do that? I'm like well, if you upsold three items and then you just and you assume the sale on the second and the third, I mean you could reduce a click of, of that assumed sale. Maybe maybe there's package deals where it says hey we've already prepackaged what you need. Do you want to minus out what you don't? If you're following the value ladder of what they need, right? They they need a store to be able to host it. They need to be able to drive traffic to it, and then they need to be able to be something that's desired. Like, there's understanding that value journey of that person, and then how to service them right at the point where they need it. To where it's like, hey, if if you if you solve this problem, here's your next pain. Man, I'm just trying to like I'm trying to figure out how to get to zero. And like besides Elon Musk, Neuralink in your brain, or like the smart swipe with your hand, or I don't, I don't know, gaze tracking. I, I'm trying to like get down to zero in my mind. And, and that's a, that's a thought challenge for myself. That's, yeah. It's, that's, it's that's really uh, choose any industry and have a think about that. Yeah. Say, is, there, is there any way to make it just that one little bit easier? Cause it's yeah. not, you don't have to radically change it. You just have to make it better and better and better. Um, if you think about the iPhone um, and, and just watch what that did, Sometimes you're like, that will never work. Like, that's the dumbest idea. Like, it's because they're taking away something you're used to and, mm -hmm. and they change it. Um, but sometimes that, the, that path gets e makes things easier and easier and easier um, as they go down. It's just, it's just interesting to watch different entrepreneurs sort of and how they approach these things and how they, you know, how they go about it all. It's fascinating. Um, but, but I definitely, it's just a theme I see. It's, yeah. I'm attracted to it. I think, um, when you have kids, you realize that 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 attention spans are actually getting less and less, um, and not more and more. Like people are, uh, if you watch a TikTok video and it doesn't get to the point within about five seconds, it drives you mad, right? You're like, let's go, let's it's go, true. let's go, uh, and you watch kids interacting with it. They, they have no patience. They're it, it's almost training them to. Uh, it's literally training them to 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 be impatient because. The things that they, they they're automatically drawn towards the things that give immediate gratification. So, um, this is the world. Welcome to the welcome to the world, and it's it's only going to get more and more this direction. I love that. Um, you're, you're totally right, and uh, it's it's great because you're making something of service to them, but at the same time, learning that complete opposite of that skill set the, the, is is so critical. What? Uh, you've been incredibly generous with your time, um, and I want to be respectful of it. Uh, what What are some like 
last thoughts or advice that you want to give any um, uh, would-be either game developers or product designers or people um, looking to, to um, make a mark in this world, uh, what advice would you give to them um, before you let people know how they can get a hold of you and find out more about what you do? Um, I would say gaming. Let's talk about gaming for a minute. Um, sure. If you want to make a video game, there's actually nothing stopping you. So um, there's actually lots of people want to make games too. And it turns out that they do different things. So some of those people are great at music. Some people are good at writing. Some are good at programming. They're all out there on the internet, um, hundreds of thousands of them um, um, that are like you, wish they had some people to work with, uh, wish they could find a team that they could make this cool game together with. And, and so that's step one is you have an internet. Um, don't forget that. I didn't have an internet. Um, those people are out there and you can form a team, find some like-minded people and, um, and, and build something. And that ability to, to sort of design and make games is there's engines out there at every price level. So from free to stupidly expensive, um, whatever, whatever you want is out there. There's lots of demo code. There's lots of books will teach you everything that you could possibly want to know. Um, so the only reason you're not making games is because you've chosen not to. Um, you don't have the time, you don't have the money or whatever, and you've talked yourself out of it. The hurdles, the hurdles have managed to hold it back. Um, so, but if you're passionate about it and you decide, actually, I'm going to do it, then, then you can do it. Um, my recommendation would be, um, from my career after making many, many games, is humor is the secret. Um, there are so few funny games that if you make a funny game, you will immediately stand out um, from the... It's very easy to make a game where you shoot things. Uh -huh. um, in fact, you can download the source code and the engine and have it up and running today. Um, but running around and shooting things, while that is fun in, in, in uh, certain games, it's, not, um, it's gonna be hard to get attention. If you make something that's actually funny, um, and it doesn't have to be laugh out loud, I'm not saying some some like comedy, um, just something that's humorous. Um, that uh, we we used to watch uh, a lot of Tex Avery cartoons, and and mm. Tex Avery we had them we we had them playing in our office 24 seven, and the idea was to inspire people because they would see. When, when in a Tex Avery cartoon, when someone gets punched, they get the punch goes right through them and out the other side, like the, the you know their face distorts and the fist keeps going and then it comes back and you sort of realize that um, you can play with all these these uh, these ideas and rules and try to make something that's funny to play and that kids will laugh out loud when they when they actually start um, um, playing the game. If you mm -hmm. do that, you'll fast track like crazy compared to everybody else, and so. Um, that would be my advice is find some like-minded people that, you know, use the technologies and all the stuff that's out there. But if you can, if you can create something that's amusing, it'll be so much, so much more successful for you to, to cut through all the noise that's out there. Yeah, that's great. No, totally right. And that's, a. Uh, I, I, I... I often wonder where you got the whole earthworm gym. How do you, how do you make an earthworm cool? and funny and it was one of those when the games like again I had a special soft spot in my heart my brother gave it to me as a christmas present wrapped in an entire full spool of duct tape 
Oh, and, no. and so enough. like, and so I could, I could hear him playing beforehand. And then I just, yeah. I hear the duct tape and then yeah. just getting, I'm like, no, but it was one of the greatest games. But like, how do you like that, that approach to something funny? Like, like, how do you, how, how do you two, make it funny? Well, yeah. there was two things you don't plan. So you don't, you don't, uh, we didn't make design documents and design it all out uh -huh. uh, because that's hard. What you do is you, you play it, whatever works, and then you, you, you riff off that idea. So you keep riffing off whatever is actually working. So if it's fun to jump around, then have more jumping around. If it's fun to fly, then fly, right? Um, and just sort of play around and build on whatever's working. And while that's, while that's occurring, um, uh, we, we sort of enjoyed, we'd sort of, you'd see the team get all excited about something because they would, they would be playing it over and over because it was a good challenge or something like that. And so um, in a way, you can just sort of take the pulse of other people and see, is this something that, that, that's, that's working? Um, there's also very interesting game mechanics that I think are tried and tested. I call, one, one that was in Earthworm Gym is what I call payback time. And payback time is when you make the player weak and then you make the player strong and they get to do payback time because they've been getting pummeled um, while they were weak, but now they're strong. And a gamer loves that. They're, they're like, uh, you know, everything was a nightmare, but not now. Now, yeah. now it's payback time. And, and so it, it, if you think about an emotional curve, um, it's kind of fun to, to get to put the gamer through different emotions and different situations. Um, something we learned with Earthworm Jim was was um, you couldn't predict what the next level would be. It was literally impossible. You couldn't tell what we were going to do next. And I think that was, I don't know, it wasn't planned. It's just how it evolved. But in reality, that kind of keeps it interesting. The next yeah. level, it could be anything. I mean, it really could be. Um, and that that... Yeah, that makes you want to see the next level. All right, I want to see what's next. What, what haven't I seen yet in this thing? Um, and, and, and it kept it interesting for the development because yeah. we were constantly coming up with, well, what should we do for the next level? I don't know. And then we would just um, start experimenting with something. Um, or someone would, someone would come up with some crazy idea. Um, and then we would just try to implement it. So that's the, uh, that's the secret. Um, one other thing we did with Earthworm Jim was we had a rule that everyone had to submit their designs, and that was pretty funny. So we had this rule that you had to draw your idea. Um, so I'm going to say this to, to anybody that wants to, to, to do that little indie team thing and wants to yeah. make a funny game. Um, when you have a meeting, force everybody to draw their ideas. They're not allowed to just tell you their ideas. Why does that matter? Well, because that some of them are going to be horrible artists. <laughs> and when they try to draw their idea, everyone's going to have fun looking at these horrible drawings. And mm. it, 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 it breaks the ice in the room when, when people come in and submit their ideas. You're all kind of joking. What is this? Like, I don't understand. You know, and you're having a, I don't know, it just, it, it sort of puts you in that mind state of this is fun. We're all having yeah. fun here. And, and what we saw is someone would misunderstand a drawing and actually have another idea. Like, oh, you know, I, I think what you mean is this. And no, that's not what I meant, but that's a great idea. And so you end up, um, but that means that now you're getting much, much, it, it's the hive brain, which, which is why you end up with all kinds of ideas that an individual who is trying to design out an entire game on a piece of paper before anyone starts typing. Um, I just didn't think that's the right way to do it. Yeah.
Oh, that's 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 beautiful and uh, a much more organic and uh yeah and i i couldn't yeah it's gonna get I, it made me giggle thinking of trying to draw some of these concepts and just 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 being like i can't, I can't commute uh, it's it's uh it's fun and it's fun and that's and that's the thing it's like it's born of the essence of the thing which is really cool which is really fun um hey, someone would just draw a pair of eyes and say there is no level you're you're just a <laughs> pair of eyes and we'd be like how would that work right what that's crazy and then someone would go well i guess you could you could do it right there's a we could technically do it so you've got to find your way around in the dark and you've just got these like cartoon eyes um let's do it and then we would then code it up if it wasn't fun we'd stop but if we liked it it would stay in how how'd you know i mean with that freestyle how do you how do you tell when something's done how do you budget for time i, I, I assume there's no gantt chart or anything how do you know when something's how do you know when the baby's done or is this it just is it just uh, you know you keep going and going and going no you do you need to have um, a point at which you stop um, you just have to because you could go on forever yeah. um, i think you know um, when you're when you're close and and then you just you go into a testing and cleanup mode and um and I think it's important to get people to play. Um, and, you know, I, I did the Aladdin video game a long time ago. And I remember Disney being obsessed about the Aladdin story, like the story mm -hmm. of Aladdin. And they made us put the story in the game. And the story had to be displayed at a certain speed so that kids of a certain age could, could read at that speed. And this all mattered greatly to them. So we had to do all of that. Then we went to test it with actual, you know, those rooms where you have the mirror Yep. The, the, the one-way mirror and you're you're watching the kids play and so we see this room full of kids and they're told okay you can play aladdin now and all we see is the thumbs just doing this like the whole room just all the thumbs doing this and all the text they're just trying to get through it as fast as they can they don't want to read any of it right <laughs> and uh and there was one girl in the room sitting there reading the the story and and so we pulled her out of the room and we're like, you know, we noticed that you read the story. And she goes, I was so annoyed because I, I thought it would say something important, but it didn't. <laughs> so you imagine the, the executives are like, hmm, this isn't good, right? They, they, they think the story is everything where it's not. It's a game. We're not here for the story. We're here for the game. We're here for right? the game, they man. I'm here to read. They yeah. came here to play. And so once you start to understand that, it's that's that's what games are really all about. Yeah. 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 The, don't make me read. Don't give me homework while I'm trying to play. No, they want to play. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, unless there's something secretly important embedded in there. It's like it's like your book, your whole book thing. You're like, don't make me do this whole thing for a nugget of an idea. Just tell me the nugget and let me go play with it. Yeah, let's yeah. move on. That's the that's the best thing ever. Um, so now that that's that would be my advice. And um, and you know, also just that whatever you want to do, honestly, you can do it. My daughter um, mm -hmm. is uh, is learning Chinese, and it sounds like whoa, Chinese that's so hard. Yeah, until you actually do it, and then and then you actually, you know, I said to her, do you realize you're speaking Chinese now? And, and it's something that she's just in school, you go to class and they teach you Chinese and it's just another class. You're learning math, you're learning English. And at some point you come out and you can speak Chinese. And, um, and, and, and I wanted her to do it 
because mm -hmm. I knew that it would prove to her she can do anything, right? Because mm -hmm. when you look at writing, imagine you're, you're about to start a class in Chinese and you're reading, looking at the text going, I'm going to be able to read and write this by the end of it. I'm going to be able to speak the language. She sings in Chinese now um, and she's able to read and write this language. And, you know, what a great life lesson. That's such yeah. a great life lesson because because you can you can hear me now in the future, but you learn Chinese. <laughs> you know, oh, this is really hard. I don't know how to do this, but you learn Chinese, <laughs> right? You know that's coming. Uh, so, you know, and that's that's the truth. If you if you put the time in, you will learn it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And that's a, if you can get that belief that you can learn anything if you're just given the time, and you have some some authoritative person saying do it, and you're like, I don't want to, but then they're like, Oh wow, yeah. I did it. It is possible. It's it. It literally opens up worlds and learning a whole new language expands, expands your whole world as well. I mean, once you learn the language, you're officially on the inside of the crowd. So that's, that's impressive. Um, and beautiful. It's a, it's wonderful. So is that, so that's the, the lessons, make it fun, have fun with it, find ways for people to do it in a hive mindy kind of way and, and give people challenges that they can allows them to kind of rise, allows them to, to see their own potential and, and, or, you know, see who they currently are um, and, and embrace it. I love that. Um, Dave is, uh, thank you so much for your time is, uh, if people want to find out more about um, go viral and more about you, um, how do they find out more? So the, the, the product we're making is called Caro, C-A-R-R-O. Mm. Um, mm. And the website is get Caro. So get, C-A-R-R-O.com. And, um, mm -hmm. and you can, you can, the website is something we've built internally, but pretty soon it's going to hopefully tell the story and, um, and then you'll be able to see what this is all about. But that's what I'm doing now. The second thing is in television Amico, which is my, my one game thing. Mm -hmm. So if you go to intellivisionamico.com, A-M-I-C-O, um, then you'll be able to see that family console idea. And I think that's fun too. Beautiful. Uh, Dave, you are a gem. I really appreciate your time, brother. This was, this was wonderful. Um, uh, you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing, brother. And, uh, and I just appreciate all you do. So thank you so much for your time, Dave. And I'll see you soon. Thanks for inviting me. It's, it's great to catch up. I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, absolutely, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.